plateful over there, man. Uh, personal land yeah. business, which we're going to talk about, man. You know, uh, like I say, I right. really admire Thank you. Thank you. Really, really do, man. Um, which we're going to have a really uh, interesting and dope conversation and everything like that. You're in Miami, if I'm not mistaken, right? I'm in the Tampa area, but I'm in, I'm from New York. So I'm right now doing uh, real estate developments. So I'm doing ground up multifamily construction. So I'm, I'm doing that right now in the Tampa Bay area. Um, but uh, I live in New York. Oh, okay. You still, you still doing, wait, wow. That was a big, huh? Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, so I'm gonna talk and then I'm gonna bring him in. Okay, cool. Okay, then cool. All right. So we're we're gonna start in about sixty seconds, Anthony. Um. Okay. Cool. We ready to go now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Respect My Blueprint podcast. And we have a very special guest today. And today's guest is a real estate and media tycoon with over 25 years in the game. Yes, 25 years, uh, quite some time. And, you know, he actually pioneered a, fran a real estate franchise uh, strategy with over 100 locations and built up a $60 million resale um, real estate portfolio. I'm, I apologize. Uh, he's also best-selling author of the book, The Heart of the Deal, How to Negotiate Like a Real Estate Mogul with Hash has became an international bestseller, selling, if I'm not mistaken, 95 million copies, featured on New York Times and Forbes, and also has uh, dibbled and dabbled in the media space as well, too. But more importantly, his biggest accomplishment is losing over 120 pounds in around nine months and becoming a global bodybuilding champion. All right, so I'm very interested and excited for today's conversation. So I want to go ahead and welcome my today today's guest, Anthony Sixpack Lolly. How are you doing today, my friend? I can't hear. Oh, we may be having, hold on. Keep talking. Okay, we may have a little sound if, issue here for a second. I, I, I can see his lips moving, but we may have a little... Hello, hello. Now, okay. yeah, there you go. Gonna, you guys had it muted. One more time, my God, from the top. No worries, no worries. <clears throat> All right, well, let's try one more time. Okay, I'm sorry, Anthony. One more time. No worries. Okay. All right. Hey, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Respect My Blueprint podcast, and I am super excited for today's guest. Today's guest, we have something very special for you guys. It's a real estate and media tycoon with over 25 years in the game, guys, you know. And, you know, not only that, he actually pioneered a real estate uh, franchise strategy and built up a $60 million real estate portfolio. He is also an 
best-selling author of the book, The Heart of the Deal, How to Negotiate Like a Real Estate Mogul. And he's also been featured in New York Times, Forbes, for his philanthropy and uh, entrepreneurship. But his biggest accomplishment, which we're going to touch on today, is losing over 120 pounds in about nine months and becoming a global bodybuilding champion. All right, so I hope you guys are ready to get into the transformational discussion that we're going to get into. And uh, and I want to welcome my guest today, Anthony Sixpack Lolly. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, first of all, you know, a lot to unpack and uncover, but we're going to get straight to the point here. And, you know, I've uh, read I've read your background and everything coming up, coming out of New York and everything. You uh, around 1921, you actually started uh, Rapid Realty, if I'm not mistaken. Right. And um, yes, and if I'm yes. not mistaken, it's around 2009. You uh, you franchised, you know, your actual you, you franchise Rapid Realty. So if you could share a little bit about that with uh, around that time period for everyone, that's that's I feel like a good starting point. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I, I always wanted to be successful. I grew up in Brooklyn and a lot of my um, <clears throat> influence came from hip hop music and, you know, people that I watched and admired, Jay-Z, Nas, you know, P. Diddy, all those guys were rapping about their dreams and aspirations and, you know, um, and were actually accomplishing those, th those things. I didn't have skill in rap. My skill was business and entrepreneurship. So I basically utilized that to start a brokerage. Um, you know, I got into the rental game. When everybody was doing sales, I started focusing on renting apartments. All it took was me to make my first $2,000 commission showing an apartment. New York City and California are the only two states where the broker can charge a, a, a month's commission or more in renting an apartment. So I started focusing on renting apartments, and then I started doing five a day. So all of a sudden, $2,000 times five, I was making that kind of money. And when you really think about it, if you want to make a million dollars a year, all you got to do is make over $3,000 a day and boom, there you have it. So once I tasted that, there was no turning back. So what I did was I built a brokerage um, at, the, at the age of 21. I bought my first property because I was crushing it uh, doing rentals and I was able to take advantage of um, all the predatory lending, but I was the victor not a victim you know so i was taking advantage of all the opportunities out there and um you know the the, the it was out there and people were taking advantage of, of getting loans and stuff and i was doing the same thing and took advantage of refinance opportunities and i built my portfolio and then you know by default i had to build a construction crew because i was you know there was a learning curve you buy multifamily property you renovate it this contractor rips you off this one you know takes advantage of you right. then you start building your own crew so you know i i did all of that and um much like the other game you know i became my own connection you know i i i didn't need any investors because i was my own angel investor i just put in the work you know uh, it's kind of like tony montana right in scarface you know if you short a little cash Exactly, exactly. And if I was short a little bit of money, I go out and, and do the rental game. And then you, you're making a few thousand dollars a day renting apartments. So that was my hustle, you know, but you, um, but you and I was able to build when you first got into it, though. 
No, I didn't. I actually started on my own um, and I started working for small firms, but everybody was very jealous. They wasn't, they, I was the, one of the youngest people in the game. I was one of the youngest people to hold a real estate license. Uh, and a lot of the people were older and they didn't want to teach me anything. So I had to learn everything on my own. Um, then I ended up working for a broker who kept my commissions and that's what pushed me to start my own brokerage. So, you know, the real estate game uh, as a salesperson is a lot like the music industry. You can get into a bad deal, you know, bad commission splits or they don't pay you the commission. So once I, I had my qualifying, uh, qualifying uh, points, I, I became my own broker and started my own firm. And I didn't rent the space. I bought my first property when I was 21 and put my real estate office downstairs. It was a mixed use. And I had two apartments upstairs. And then from there, I kept building the portfolio um, kept building the brokerage. And then um, what was happening was I became a really good uh, leader and trainer and I was breeding my own competition. So I was teaching people the game <laughs> and they're like, okay, you know, thank you for teaching me everything. I'm going to go start my own brokerage like you did. Cause what happens right. is, you know, you, 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 when people are smart, they say, okay, he's driving a, uh, you know, SL 600. He's living the life he's got. So I got to be him. So I realized that lifestyle. I needed to breed. It's a lifestyle. So I realized that I needed to breed family members instead of competitors. So I franchised my business. So in other words, I, it, it, it's kind of like if you're working, you could own one of these. So I want you to aspire to own one of these instead of you conspiring to own something like this behind my back. So I would give them the pathway and the lead, you know, the, the, the goals, and I would even find them financial partners to come and invest and, and do things like that to help them open up their own location. So I basically insulated myself from breeding my own competitors, which actually was in their benefit because I was able to give them more trade secrets because when I started losing people, I started holding back. I started not teaching everybody the game and I was, you know, I was making sure the right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. So I didn't give everybody the whole formula. But once I realized that I created an outlet for them to turn around and, and, and grow with me, I was able to grow 10 times faster. So I, I franchised the company, grew it to like, you know, 2000 people, a hundred locations. And then I had a story that went viral over a hundred people tattooed the company logo on their body to show what? their loyalty to the firm. <laughs> the news picked up on it and, and, and the, and the company exploded. It was all over the news and everybody was into it and we really blew up. Um, and then I eventually ended up, uh, selling the company because I'm watching shark tank and I'm looking at, you know, Damon John and Barbara Corcoran and Mark Cuban and all these people like, you know, they are, the, the, that, that wasn't, um, they weren't one trick ponies and I knew I had more right. to give to the world. So I exited that company. I sold it and I wrote a book about my career and I, I, and actually was, I did a different strategy. I call the book, the heart of the deal. Now, if you know, Donald Trump, he has a book called the art of the deal, the art of the deal but right. when he was running the, the art of the deal, when he was running for president in 2020, he was promoting his book like crazy, but the book was so old he had stopped doing SEO on it. So I went ahead and did all the search engine optimization on the word, the art of the deal to link people back to the heart of the deal. So my book started getting purchased and it went through the roof and I ended up becoming a, a international speaker 
speaking in front of thousands of people from Canada to South Africa, all over the United States, doing a book tour with Barnes and Noble, and it became a bestseller. Wow, and then um, I accomplished all that. Of the hype of uh, Donald Trump's old book, pretty much, right? Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so what ended up happening was um, I had achieved all the success, and then finally, you know, I started a family, and I ballooned. I, 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 I didn't say I ballooned. I was already heavy, but then I started going from 300 to 315 pounds. And I started getting health complications, like. I was getting sleep apnea. I was in and out of the hospital. And my wife was like, you know, you always made the excuse that the business stopped you from, you know, trying to get in shape. Now that you sold the business, what's your excuse now? And so, you know, we, ha we had children and my daughter at the time was two and a half. And she looked at me. She said, Daddy, you're fat. I don't want you to die. And so that's what changed my life. I said, you know what? You know, my mom said to me, she said at the time she was 80. And she goes, Anthony, you ever remember visiting me in the hospital? I was like, no. You ever remember being sad because your mom was sick? I was like, she was like, no. She goes, do you love your kids? I was like, yeah. She goes, just imagine this. On the weekends, they before they go to have fun, they got to stop by and be sad and hold your hand when you're in the hospital bed. But life goes on. Life goes on. You got a beautiful wife. You got beautiful kids. They're going to be sad, but they're going to move on. And you're going to just make it sad for them. You're being a burden. You're doing what you're doing is a more of a burden to your family. You're not, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting your own family. So, yeah. So that was it, man. That was it. I, I uh, decided to treat my health and wellness and my fitness like I would a business, right? Just like if I got into any business venture, I would hire the best um, people like in construction. If I was, if I was trying to put a pool on a property, I hire the best pool guy, the best architect, the best electrician, you know, the best right. contractors. And it, when it came to weight loss, all of a sudden, I was like my own expert. I was my own guru. But meanwhile, I was failing all the time. You know, I, I it was a pride thing. I wasn't allowing or it was something in the back of my mind saying, I really don't want to do it. So when I said, no, I'm going to treat it like a business. I'm going to I'm going to lose weight, but I'm going to make money with my weight loss transformation. I'm going to make it epic. I actually went and hired a new You also decided at that point you was going to completely pivot away from real estate because you know to trade away from the business suit to now the workout gear right it it it's it's a polar opposite so you know i know you shared that eureka moment of your kids and your and your mother's telling you hey man you know get off your butt and get 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 it together and everything like that but was that right. the singular eureka moment that made you say hey i'm done with real estate well or it was it was it was my wife too. My wife was like, "Look, what are we doing here? You know, like you 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 don't want to walk your kids down the aisle. Like you you want to pick up your kids at school and the kids make fun of them because you're you know out of shape and you know overweight because kids are mean and they're gonna you know and, and these are facts. You know, she was keeping right. it real with me. You know, she, I love you just the way you are, but now you got kids and you representing the family and 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 you know you don't want to be in a situation. She goes, I know how prideful you are. And so, uh, you know, she was a major influence too. And I had to, I had to change my circle. So when I sold the company, it made it a lot easier because I cut ties and I basically started hanging around fit people because birds of the same feather fly together. And you're the, you Preach. know, the average of the Preach. five people you hang out with. 
So I was no longer hanging out with people that have bad eating habits, bad drinking habits, you know, business dinners, all that. I changed and I basically went under a rock for a year and just focused on my weight loss transformation and created new friends. And you know what I realized? What's that? That watching people, watching people with six packs and watching people in incredible shape, they weren't born that way. If I was in the gym at six in the morning, the guy with the six pack was in the gym at six in the morning doing 200 burpees also. You know, if if I went to lunch and the guy with the six pack maybe ate a slice of pizza on a rare occasion, he talked about it the entire time and went into the gym extra early the next day to burn off those calories. So my whole mindset about, oh, you know, they don't know what it's like because they, they no, they actually worked hard similar to the way you need to work hard to maintain your wealth and success in your family, people were doing that with their fitness. So once I realized that, and I wouldn't have realized that if I didn't hang out with these people and, and notice, I'm like, I'm over there sweating at 315 pounds, you know, trying to do jump rope, this and that. And I'm seeing the guy with a sick, just as dedicated as me, you know? And I'm like, okay, then this is the lifestyle. This is a lifestyle. I got to make this part of the fabric okay. of my life. Right. So which which is yep. which now it's a good way for me to transition to this question here because you know you just you just mentioned how you know you seen how these same guys the work ethic that was put in. So what how much do you attribute you know upbringing and genetics versus work ethic when it comes to transformation uh when it comes to your health and transformation? Um genetics I believe are important uh, and upbringing is important because there's a million reasons why you're going to want to quit in something, you know, it's, it's, you know, that being obese is worse sometimes than being on drugs because the, you're not going to see those drugs in the bodega, but you're going to see cheese doodles. You're going to see, you know, Snickers bars. Temptation is everywhere. You know, you go to you go to a family friend's house and the mom is not going to say, oh, here's this crack. Come on, take this crack. But the mom's going to tell you, oh, eat, eat, eat this food, eat this food, you know. Good point. All right. And that's the big difference. You know, so you're constantly being. And the thing is, there's so much romanticism around food. People's best memories is is breaking bread at the table and holidays. And and so, you know. You, there's this there's this thing like, you know, you're going out to dinner with the kids or birthday celebrations and cakes and and holidays and this and that. And then people are looking at you funny because you don't want to eat. And then you're basically, you know, you're basically wearing your problem on your sleeve. It's like, you know. At least in an AA meeting, it's private amongst other alcoholics or drug addicts. But right. when it's you're trying so to an overt like it would right obesity i guess what you mean right i see what you right mean. yeah i'm a recovering fat person you know what i mean it's an announcement are you gonna eat this no i'm a recovering fat person so it's a little <laughs> bit more difficult because you're constantly you know uh faced with that and you have to take on a new identity of firmness stick-to-itiveness um and conviction and you have to be able to see the end goal even before it's there you know, and you have to be able to know and believe and you have to be able to keep going even when you have when you slip up, you know, you have to be able to just slip up for that day, you know, or for that week. 
and then just go back on and keep going and keep going, you know, because it's very easy to fall backwards. So and by the way, talk, talking about no one ups. ever tells you. Talking mm -hmm. about slip ups. I just wanted to ask because if you could share some of that, because right now, you know, you have painted a very beautiful picture. You have a beautiful family, beautiful career. You know, you started off since it was not since 19. You've had a taste of entrepreneurship and success. But now, you know, in the later part of your career and everything like that, and you've went through again from real estate to media to now fitness, you know, what are some of the roadblocks that you have experienced throughout that time? You know, um, because, you know, your documentary laid it out, which we're going to uh, highlight as well too. But I want you, if you could share with the audience, what's some of the roadblocks that you've experienced? There's always going to be roadblocks because people think you're changing. And when you're improving, um, when you get into fitness and you get into bettering your health, there's a different level of jealousy. I've been successful for a long time. You know, I became a multimillionaire at the age of 23. And so that wow. change, that changes things a lot in terms of friendships and dynamics. And you learn to be selective with the type of friends you have around you. Um, because there's people that are sincere friends. And some people are friends because you're like an insurance policy. Like, if, you know, I want to be friends with aunt, do the right thing by aunt. Because if I ever fall, then I can always call Ant. And I realize I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want those kind of friends. It's kind of like that's not a sincere friendship. I want to be in a situation where, you know, I'm we're leveling up together and we're growing together, you know. And so, but but when people recognize you and know you for us um, as a uh, heavier person. And they and you start making changes like I had to distance myself from people because I started realizing, man, this is so easy to conquer. Why don't you want to get in shape like I'm doing it? So I had a lot of people as a leader start to try to do a transformation journey with me, but they started falling off. And then I started noticing myself being the drill sergeant and then carrying, you know, trying to force people to go to the gym and, and it was putting a strain on friendships and relate. So those were roadblocks, you know, and stumbling blocks, learning to let people go and, you know, realizing that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink and that you got to go on this journey alone, you know? And so that's a roadblock. There's a stumbling block, um, you know, learning how to monetize uh, your venture you know what I mean? Is another thing you have to, it's, you have to relearn everything. Um, re you know, honestly, I got a new lease. Yeah. Rebrand everything. And I got a new lease on life. So I was learning how to use my new body too. Like this was a whole new world, you know, like it was <laughs> right. very interesting because, because, you know, I was very successful, you know, I have Rolls Royces and mansions, but you can't, you know, have Rolexes and those things are there. And you can't drive your Rolls Royce into a meeting, you know, so sometimes you got to you, 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 you got to wear your success with clothes and stuff. But what was interesting was. When you get fit. All of a sudden, your body's a Rolls Royce and people start treating you with a different level of respect instantly. People that don't know you, you know, because I'm a public figure, but I'm not Andrew Tate where the whole world could recognize me, you know, so. Sometimes you got to get into conversations. And when you're obese, even if you're well-dressed and sharpened, it's still you're wearing your weakness and people see that.
You can't even control what you put in your mouth. What else can't you control in your life? You know? So, but when I became ultra fit, when I became ultra fit, the, the type of looks I was getting, the type of instant reception, it was if I walked in a room with a Bugatti, you know, and, 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 and you have a Bugatti of a body. So that was interesting also, um, on that level. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's always, you know, new level, new devil, and you learn and you adapt, you know, you have to always be ready to adapt. You brought up a good point because, you know, health, I think there's been a real big movement on health right now, right? Especially since COVID, you know, um, ever since COVID and everything like that, you see a lot of these big companies are taking more health initiatives with wellness, wellness programs, on-site gyms and things like that. And, you know, and you've brought up a good point how, you know, even being obese can be a bad first impression and first appearance and just, you know, when it comes to certain conversations at certain tables you're trying to enter, right? So, you know, with that yeah. being said, what's your thoughts? Is there's, you know, is do you believe that there's a discrimination or a bias against, you know, those who are quote-unquote not fit because our social media now is bringing a high anxiety amongst those who are unfit and having them experiment in different diets and ways and things like that. And also again, companies are putting a bigger emphasis on wellness. And again, with the COVID coming and doing its wreck within the economy. So what is, do you feel like there is, you know, some sort of a bias at this point, maybe a harmful effect of putting health over wealth potentially? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, it's funny because this reminds me, uh, I'm 45, right? So I grew up watching Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. And right, there's a right. famous okay. skit. There's a famous skit where Eddie Murphy is in whiteface and his name is Mr. White. And so he puts on this whole costume where he's a white guy. And, and now he's going into the bank and they're like, oh, nobody's here. Here borrow the money don't pay us back he gets on the bus and there's one black guy in the bus and he leaves the bus and it's just all white people and then they turn on the music and it's like a whole different world when nobody's watching right so me being ultra fit i completely erased my identity of being obese so if you saw me you would have never thought in the world i was 315 pounds so now all of a sudden i'm sitting in tables sitting in circles and i'm looking and listening at people of how they looked and treated people that were out of shape when they left the room or when they, you know, were not around or talking about them. And I realized they were saying those things about me, you know, and I saw how people, even children, even moms, everybody were, you know, there was a certain stigma or a certain prejudice against people that were out of shape. So I, I realized that um, really quickly and I found that to be very interesting. But your question about, um, I think what happened after, you know, um, the COVID situation is that people are now more open and awakened to other health measures. Like when I released my documentary, I released it during COVID. So it was watched 95 million times, mainly because there were two things being watched. Tiger King on Netflix and Fat Lolly to Six Pack Lolly on Amazon Prime. 
People were home doing home workouts. You remember people were doing curls with gallons of, uh, of milk. So, so people watched my documentary and were resonating with wanting to be healthy. And I believe that if I wouldn't have lost weight, I probably, and I got COVID twice, I probably would have died from it. But because I was such an incredible shape, the first time I got COVID, it lasted like 20 hours. The second time it lasted like six hours and I got right over it. So, you know, being healthy makes you a machine. Wow. So, you know, okay, which, you know, I want to touch into your documentary and everything like that. And, you know, I've watched, uh, you know, the documentary with Six Pack, uh, 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 Six Pack Lolly. But there was the, uh, another documentary you did with your wife, Teresa, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And what I wanted to talk about, first of all, before we even get into the documentary, you going from your personal brand to now a family brand. Right. Because when you're in your real estate career and your media career, it was largely upon you and everything like that. Then you made this transformation fit wise and rebranding yourself. So, you know, and that's not easy and that's not easy. So, you know, I wanted to tap into your mindset because that's another transformation right there that a lot of the audience would want to see, because especially nowadays where relationships are very rocky and very open and public because of social media. What was your thought process when you were going through that? Oh, that was a big deal because my, both of my kids are child actors. So my daughter, she's been in over a hundred projects, movies, commercials, like oh. she'll be in one 800 flowers. She'll, she'll be, my son will be in a car commercial. He's the kid in the backseat. By now my son is in a movie with Martin Scorsese's daughter. We were just at Cannes, France film festival. He's in that. He, he's in Tribeca Film Festival right now. So my kids are child actors, but what was happening, and my wife was also like a, a singer and an actress. So my kids were getting booked for jobs and they were looking for parents for a commercial. Now my my wife gets booked, my son and my daughter get booked, and guess who, who has to play the dad? Not me. I was so out of shape that it wasn't even believable that I could be their own father. So I, they, I was another person was being cast as the dad to my own family. That had to. Happen. So that's how crazy it was. It was. It definitely did. It definitely did. So my wife was like, listen, you know, this is what I'm talking about. And I told you about this, you know, and I'm not anybody to hold anybody back. I'm supposed to be the leader of the family. So I needed to set the example and do what I need to do. So when I did the transformation, I committed to my family that we would do things together as a family because, you know, when you achieve a certain amount of success, um, you realize the most important things in your life is your family. But children and a relationship, it's a lot like business, like buying a piece of real estate. For lack of a better example, right? Let's say you buy a property right? and you... You don't take care of it. You don't mow the lawn. You don't fix the leaks. You know, it's going to it's gonna end up costing you more money. It's going to, the tenants aren't going to pay you rent. You know, you're going to get squatters. A relationship is like that with children. Some people get children and they don't realize how much time and nurturing you need to. Some people get into a relationship. They don't realize how much time and nurturing um, you need to do. And also... Like, why can't you look good for your girl? 
you want your girl to look if if my wife would have you know got out of shape like me i don't know if i would have been around like that's the You're truth right. you know what i'm saying so so why should it, even here, though yeah, she right? yeah like but but why should she even though she met me like this i could have you know, I needed to do what I needed to do, not only for my kids and my family, but for her and be the best version of myself. So I think it all depends, too, on the choices you make, on who you're with and the commitment, because, you know, if you're not the best version of yourself, you're not going to give them the best version of yourself and you're going to get what you get in any relationship. You know, so. Which, you know, now I want to go ahead and move into your documentary then, because. You know, like I said, so you've highlighted, obviously, making that transition from personal to family. And wow, having your kids being child actors and everything like that. First, first of all, what is your thoughts about, you know, having your kids out in the, you know, out in the open like that at such a young age? Because, you know, you have some, I'm pretty sure you already have your fair share of haters right now. They're already critiquing you on you know, oh, you was real estate and now you're a fitness guru. Is this even something? Is this something that you're a fad that you're part of? And, you know, so with now you're getting your kids involved in everything like that, what are, you know, how do you deal with some of the criticisms and challenges with that that comes along with? Nobody really criticizes it because my kids have been doing it since like they were born. Like they love it. Like oh, okay. my daughter is very talented. They they enjoy it. It they they want to be in it more than anything else. Like they love acting. They're very talented. They're very intelligent. Um, you know, they um they grew up on set. So, you know, in 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 it honestly, it brings out the personality in them. They're not shy. They get into, you know, they they learn how to read earlier. They know how to interact. They have good control of their, they have emotional intelligence because as an actor, you have to learn about all the emotions and why. And so, you know, they're actually our best friends. So we, you know, we, when we go out to dinner, we're going out to dinner with them. You know, we're going out to the nicest place. We're having deep conversations. In fact, we have a podcast show. Um, it's called the super lollies, uh, podcast show. And it's a kid, it's a kid podcast show, but it's a, it's really? with our children. Like this is the, the, Yeah. So it's called the super lollies. Awesome. And, uh, and, and so, and so basically it's, it's us talking to our children about many different things. We go into deep topic, even like how to, you know, to watch out for being groomed or pedophiles and all this type of deep stuff that people wouldn't even talk to their kids about. Our kids are like little adults and, and they can handle whatever adversities, you know, if somebody's jealous of them or if they feel jealous like all these type of things, we have these these deep philosophical conversations and we feel like great because these are our creation and they're also our best friends. Awesome. You know, so, you know, and, and that's pretty dope right there, especially that you're, you know, it's almost like you're taking the kids to work with you and they're side of kind of seeing like, okay, this is how daddy made his fortune, you know, so inherit the family business business in a way type of ordeal, right? So I like that. And, you know, um, which now transitions. Well, one into, thing I tell them know, is one thing, one thing I tell them is they're not going to inherit anything. It's like we had a talk with them, too. Like, look, I'm 45. Let's say I, I die at 80. That's another 40 years from now. My kids years. are five okay. and seven. 
So they got to be what? 47 and 45 to inherit? What are you going to do? You're going to be a 44-year-old 40, bum? You know what I mean? They got to make money. Now, my my kids, they're actually working actors, so they they got a lot of money in the bank. So, you know, they, you know, we invest in in uh they have a good um stock portfolio. They're about to make their first real estate purchase with their money. So, we're managing all of that and they're doing quite well for themselves. So, by the time they're, you know, of age, they'll have a nice portfolio of real estate and they can make a decision whether they want to continue doing that or pursuing business ventures um, at that point, you know. But for me, uh, I've told them, you know, the um, my son wants to be a hedge fund manager. You know, he wants to get into finance. So he wow. wants to be okay. a billionaire hedge age, fund really? manager. Yeah. Okay. As, yeah, he does, you know. And uh, but my daughter wants to be an actress. Um, she's like, look, you know, there's no better job than going to set and I'm 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 basically getting paid for the whole day. Like sometimes she can make five, six, ten thousand dollars a day. Just just sitting there and you really you're there all day. There's a buffet, you have your own trailer, there's a makeup artist, you're paid for the whole day, and then maybe you go on camera for you know one hour out of the day, and maybe out of that one hour, it's a lot of retakes. So then you go back to your trailer and you're just hanging out all day. So, and you know, you have your set teachers. You, we're always there. One of our commitments to our children is that they'll never be alone. So we're always with them. Um, so it's cool. So like, you know, they basically, um, it's, I, I don't know any other job so, that you just basically have, you know. Yeah. They soaking, they soaking up all the gems and, uh, I think she's picking the right career, obviously. But I wanted to ask you, hold on. I want to ask you about Hollywood, though, because Hollywood has also been going through a lot of transformation with, you know, you know, the whole Me Too movement. And now recently, you know, the um, a lot of the script writers have been going on strike and everything like that. And also, yeah. with, you know, artificial intelligence tools and things like that. You know, there's going to be a lot of changes within the industry. So what are your thoughts is on the future of Hollywood? I think that everybody's always going to adapt. You know, people were afraid when cars were invented, right? Think about all the horse and buggy businesses. Think about all the candle and kerosene businesses that went out of business when electricity and the light bulb was invented. You know, think about Kodak, you know, it used to be un unimaginable. And then you have the iPhone. So there's always going to be something that's going to be an industry disruptor, you know, like chat GPT, right? I was just, uh, I hired our first um, prompt engineer, you know, to take on. And there's a, that's a new business now, you know, you learn how to prompt, you know, write prompts for chat GPT. So we hired oh, wow, somebody right. to take them onto the team, you know, so they, you know, that's a, another skill set, another expertise, and so I think that the, it's better to embrace it um, and not fight against it. You know, it's it's kind of like the music business, you know, when, when people um, were in an uproar when rock and roll came out and the Beatles came out and, you know, it was no longer Frank Sinatra music. And, and, and you know, and the same thing when Elvis came out, you know, he was shaking his hips. It was like a whole big upset. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> like, right now, that's like a soft dance, whatever Elvis was doing. Right. So, you know, like, you got to you got you you got to be with the sign of the times. You got to be with the sign of the times. Um, and if you think about what we're doing right now, this format, right, the, you know, podcasting, 
video podcasting. It's been around, but now it's it's more in style. It's more how people are consuming content. It's more relevant to what's happening now. So sometimes things take time. And I think with what's going on with the writer's strike and the last time was one for eight years ago. And I think now they're going to have the actors join in on it. And listen, it's important for people to unionize and, 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 and speak, speak up for themselves. And, and um, I think a lot of, a lot of um, litigation is happening in the, in the, in the media world. Like uh, there's a lot of rappers now that are not, are getting small royalties from Spotify and all of these things. And, and they're like, hey, when I did my 360 deal, Spotify wasn't there. So why is Spotify telling me you're only going to give me a half a penny per stream? Who You're just making up the rule, you know? So now all of them are doing like a big class action lawsuit. So you just got to be smart. You just got to be smart and, and embrace it. Okay. Which, talking about embracing and everything like that, now I want to, which I, I highly agree with you as well, too. I've always felt like, you know, podcasting since it's the you know, number one growing medium right now and everything, you know, there's got to be a way to have the, the the institutions and the media world catch up on monetiz- monetizing podcasters, right? It's just, it's just, it's not fair, but that's another topic for another discussion. I want to go ahead and get into your documentaries now because, you know, which by the way, your documentaries highlight your journey into your bodybuilding you know, we haven't even touched into that. I mean, to go from, you know, 300 pounds to being a bodybuilding champion, <laughs> you know, which, by by the way, you know, uh, uh, I do want to highlight that. But if you could touch on, you know, was your bodybuilding journey the, was that the impetus for you, you know, starting your documentaries? Or was it just the eureka moment, like you mentioned, your family kind of, Give, giving you, putting you on accountable, uh, making you accountable. That's what I meant to say. I'm sorry. The family. And then once I got into it, you know, I started losing weight. I hired, I hired a nutritionist. I flew him over to my house and I knew the accountability. I needed to put my, hold myself accountable. So I filmed every single day of my training. I invested money. I had a, a, a nutritionist live with me for a year. We flew, he, I took him on family vacations. He taught me everything about nutrition. Um, and I tried every single workout modality from CrossFit to mixed martial arts, to marathon running, to bodybuilding, you name it. I tried it. And I, 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 I started training with different people and I realized very quickly that with the wrong coach, you could get turned off and the right coach, you can get turned on. So I, I, I had to make sure that I respected the coach uh, because some coaches, they just want to slow roast you and milk you. Some coaches don't know how to be a coach. You know what I mean? So some coaches want to take it too easy on you because they don't want you to quit on them because they still want to get that money every week. Because they're too hard on you, depending on your personality, you might quit. And some coaches are too soft. You know what I mean? They just, they, they're, they're allowing you to slack and they don't want to upset you. So I needed to find a coach in terms of a training person that I respected and admired. So I, I, I met one and I put him in the documentary and we were training together and then he died in a horrible car accident. Now, the reason why I respected him is because he was a barber. 
he was uh, was uh, buying real estate um, in terms of Airbnb in Dominican Republic, and I was able to trade my real estate knowledge, and 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 in exchange for them giving me the best of themselves. So I gave them the best of my knowledge in real estate and in business, and I asked for them to give me the best and let's cut the BS and just give me the hardcore nitty gritty. No slow roasting techniques. I just want to get in shape right away. And so we cut all the BS and I added value to them and they added value to me. So there was a quid pro quo relationship. So I was able to bring my business experience and my business gems and jewels. And a lot of them ended up becoming very successful millionaires. Really? Wow. Okay. So wait, so... That's very interesting, which, hold on, that, so you're telling me you tried many different diets and everything like that, right, and many different approaches, so it was you coming with this, finding the right coach that ended up getting you to write, so what do you have, so what what is your advice to a lot of the people that go through that same burden, because especially nowadays, you know, weight loss, if I'm not, there's a new weight loss drug that's, uh, that's out, if I'm not mistaken, you might be aware of it, but yeah. It's a drug that's kind yeah. of very popular in the market and everything. So yep. what do you, what do you what are your thoughts is on a lot of people that's just won't be you know instant gratification? Let me put it that way. Um look, I deal with I've I've transformed over a thousand people, you know, and mm. from five hundred pounds to four hundred pounds to, you know, people that are fifty pounds overweight, you know, and it doesn't matter how you lose the weight, but once you lose the weight, there's a better way to sustain it and keep it healthy. Some people starve themselves. Some people take pills. Some people do bariatric surgery because it is very difficult, you know? And so however you hit the lottery, you hit the lottery. Now let's keep it. You understand? So there's a lot of people that hit the lottery and then, and then splunt and then lose it, all, you know, just as fast as they got it. There's a lot of people that use drugs and, and and methods to lose weight and then gain it all back even faster, sometimes even more. And I used to be one of them. So what I do is I take them from whatever point they are, because I could get people to lose weight on Wendy's and McDonald's. A calorie is a calorie. The body doesn't care. There's a healthy way to do it and there's a non-healthy way to do it. You know, just like there's a way to make money legally and illegally, but it's the same output money. So same thing with weight loss, you know. And so um, when you're ready and you want to take it to the next level, because that was the thing with me. Once I lost the weight, I was like, what's next? Well, what's next? I looked in the mirror and I had 150 pounds of loose skin. So I was trying to run away from this fat identity. And all of a sudden I looked like my body looked like the dude from RoboCop when they threw the acid on him. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't, I didn't go this far to go this far. And I'm like, I didn't want to be one of these weight, weight Watcher fat dudes holding a big pair of pants, but I still got my shirt on. So then I realized I needed weight loss surgery. When I realized the skin was not going to stretch back, I needed a, a cosmetic a loose skin surgery. So I did a loose skin surgery. I put it in a documentary. That was how much I was all in. You know, I could have died from that Damn. surgery, but I didn't. And I persevered oh, yeah, I and that. I put it all in the documentary. So I put it all in the documentary and six months after the surgery, I stepped on stage and I won my first transformation competition, you know? And so that's going, 
that's going all out. That's being committed. That's, that's completely it, like, erasing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And yep. because, which, by the way, you you was competing for only for two years against dudes that was in it for decades, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. So what happened was the first documentary was about my initial transformation. And then I won my competition. The first documentary ends there. And then what happened was the roles were reversed. Now I was in incredible shape and my wife, a mother of two breastfeeding was becoming out of shape. So now I was the fit one in the family and she was the one feeling left out. Now I was the one on stage when she was initially the actress and the model and the singer. So now she's like, whoa. And so she's like, I don't want to be left behind. I want to, I want to do what you did for me. I want to do that for you. I want to be the best version of me. Can you train me? I said, yes, I'll train you and coach you. So I trained her using all my skills, all my knowledge, everything that I learned. And in nine months, we went around the world and competed 32 times. She became a two-time bikini world pro. And we filmed every single day of it. And of all of our competitions, we turned it into a six-episode docuseries called The Super Lollies. And so I competed 32 times. I became a muscle model pro. I got my pro card in the bodybuilding space. And I competed in every single federation because there's different federations, you know. And so we, we, we did a whole big docuseries about what it's like to compete in this federation, what it's like to compete in that. Then we became fitness influencers together. You know, you know, uh, people paying us as spokesmen for products and things like that. And so we show people how you could literally be 315 pounds. And then my wife with a mom bod to all of a sudden having a clothing line, having a fitness business, you know, giving away a plastic surgery prizes, you know, helping people lose weight all over the world. So we did that. So we just showed, you know, how anything is possible. Within nine months. So your transformation took nine months. It hers was the same time frame as well, too, nine months. Yeah, so hers was the opposite. I needed to put muscle on her. So she wasn't obese. She was just out of shape. She had a diastasis recti, which happens to a lot of moms. Their stomach abs open up when they have a baby. And so we needed to repair that. And I'm six pack lolly. So I got her a six pack. She got incredibly ripped. She started deadlifting 225 pounds. She, she was squatting me on her shoulder. She became incredibly strong. And looked incre incredible on stage, and we were sweeping and winning trophies all over the world. Well, can, let me ask you a question. All jokes aside, can anybody get a six-pack if you have the dedication? Yes. <laughs> Come on, then. Now, that's because, listen, if, that, if that's the case, you have your, you know, you have a client here that may want to go see you, okay? Yeah. But, you know, and, and reason why I ask is because, you know, pro, I mean, you touched upon this in, in, uh, uh, earlier, but, you know, processed food and, 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 and society, work life and everything like that. And, you know, it's so hard to meal prep nowadays and you got kids and all of this good stuff and everything. So, you know. Well, let me ask, here's a better question, okay? Do you believe there's a correlation between success and fitness and those who are unfit and, and, and unsuccessful in life? You know, or in other words, let me put put it like this, because you already mentioned how the uh, initial appearance can get you into the first impression of a conversation or a table, but, you know, necessarily, is does that also equivalent 
does that equate to just being successful in life in general? You know, there's this, uh, I don't know who I was watching. I was watching a podcast show and they made an analogy, right? They were like, they were talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce. And they were like, Beyonce is so beautiful that she could be working in Burger King and she could still marry Jay-Z. But if Jay-Z was working in Burger King, Beyonce would not marry Jay-Z. So you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know what you don't know. So maybe, you know, I was successful despite my weight and I was able to accomplish things and meet the right woman and do all of those things. And sometimes, you know, you develop strong suits because of your handicap, you know? So somebody that doesn't have legs is in a wheelchair might have a super strong upper body. So in the same way, somebody that's overweight might have a very strong personality and can meet people or can become a leader, you know, because of that handicap. You know what I mean? So we don't know, but I can tell you this. Life is a lot easier if you, if you, if you sit in a chair with all four legs instead of three legs, you know? Can you keep your balance and not fall sitting on a chair with three legs? Yeah. But but what about having an easier time sitting down and enjoying your meal with all four legs in the chair? So we don't know what we don't know, but I do know that it takes an incredible, incredible amount of energy and concentration to walk into a room and have to be on to overcome people's first impressions of you being out of shape. And so... You know, sometimes it's better, you know, just to not exert that energy. What have you exerted your energy on other things? How much more successful could you be, you know? Good point. Good point. Which I see now you've taken a lot of, you know, now your extreme passion is into, um, if I I don't want to pronou- pronounce it wrong, it's uh, RBD, RBT or RB, the radical body uh, transformation. RBT, so RBD. I start. Yes. Right. So that was a byproduct of my transformation. So what happened was I did the transformation. And if you watch the documentary, um, I got involved in, in this um, radical body transformation business. And it's a business where, you know, you basically can join in and I can give you prizes. I was motivating people to want to lose weight because I could see from them. And I, I was a self-motivated guy, but I know most people aren't. So I created a system in a community of competition and prizes, uh, money, gifts, loose skin surgery, uh, you name it. And in, in, in even like medals and, and recognition by your peers. And we created a whole big movement. And then I did my first um, physical competition. So in Canada. So we had our first physical because before it was all online because of COVID and the restrictions. And then finally, when those things lifted, we were able to do a first show and I was able to meet people and, and shake their hand and, and coach them and help them. So I, 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 I started that um, end of the business and it was very, very rewarding because now it was bigger than me. It was more about helping other people and giving back. Really? Hmm. So now as we ready to wrap up the show, uh, Anthony and everything, you know, you've, 
you know, you've touched on a lot of different phases in life and everything like that. So if you, I want to ask you one uh, uh, particular question here, which I usually ask a lot of uh, our guests here. What is one blueprint advice that you can share with the audience as far as, you know, the steps you've taken, of course, you know, you've given a lot of game on your transformation and a lot of game on business and learning how to pivot from one industry to another. And also you've also shown the profound importance on family as well too. So, you know, we could have had this podcast go in many different ways, but, you know, I wanted to touch on a few of each of those things I just mentioned. So as we wrap up here, you know, if there's one thing you would like to leave the audience with in building their blueprint, you know, per, you know, whether it's health or wealth wise, what is the one piece of advice you could share with them? Think about what the word blueprint means. A blueprint in the real estate world, which is the world I'm in as well, is a plan, but a blueprint is just a blueprint until you actually break ground and build on it, right? So a lot of people have a room full of blueprints. They listen to your show. They listen to another show. They listen to this show. It's a bunch of blueprints in their brain. The main thing is to take action. You have to take accountability and say, you know, if you if you go into a lot of minds, a lot of people have an encyclopedia of blueprints, but they haven't applied it. So figure out what's holding you back from applying the blueprint that your mom, or your uncle or, or some show that you watched or, you know, anything, a movie that inspired you when you were a kid. What is holding you back from doing that? You know what I mean? And, and, and you have to assess everything. How you do one thing is how you do everything. And I'll give you an example. You know what cigarettes do to you. If you're smoking a cigarette and you know it's going to cut your life short and it's going to damage you, fix that. Fix the little things. You know? It, big shots, big shot people are not taking big shots. It's just a bunch of little shots that they take. You know, it's like a, it's like a shotgun, right? When it sprays out all the little pellets. So that's what you got to do. Fix all the little micro decisions that you're making. You know, the little mistakes that you're doing, that relationship that you should be out of, you know, that friendship that you shouldn't be taught. It's too much going on in your life that you got to stop and assess why you have not taken steps on any of the blueprints, even the little ones. Like you mentioned, packaged foods and this and that, those things that now that you're aware of them, you know, don't do it. You know, I just realized that Splenda is a cancer-causing product. You know, the, the sugar, really? Splenda, the replacement yeah, the fake sugar. sugar that goes in the Google coffee, it. yeah. Google it. It's now confirmed. It's, like, out there, and, I, I, and I'm like, whoa, and I used to be big on that. Now, if I continue to do it, that's just me telling myself, that I'm weak and, and I can't really stick to something because I'm too stuck in my old ways. That's one of the most important things that you got to remember is that you don't have to be who you were five minutes ago. You could be anybody you want starting right now. Absolutely. You know, and honestly, Anthony, you've, uh, you know, you've inspired a lot, you know, and I'll be honest, even, even myself, just, 
witnessing and experiencing a lot through our conversation and obviously watching your documentaries and everything like that, which, you know, before we uh, wrap up today's show, I want you to go ahead and give some time out to share every with everyone your upcoming projects and everything. But, you know, uh, yeah. one thing I'd like to say before I, I let you go, though, is that, you know, Definitely from, you know, starting at a young age, you definitely had to overcome, you know, like I say, getting wealth at a very young age and obviously cutting off a lot of the bad crowd that's around you to kind of like steer your judgment in the wrong direction. So you was able to keep your head straight. And of course, going through the physical setbacks of being obese to now, you know, becoming a bodybuilding champion. I don't even want to touch on the other accomplishments of you being a best-selling author, a philanthropist, and God goes on, right? But, you know, being an awesome dad and everything like that, my ta- you know, my hat goes off to you and everything, and uh, keep educating, keep preaching, and keep doing the good thing what you're doing, brother. I mean, if there's mo- any of the Thank guests you. that came on our show, I'm very, very, you know, uh, uh, connected with you based upon your journey and everything like that. So enough of me ranting. If you could share with everybody, you know, your up and coming projects so everybody can be well aware of Um, what you got coming down the pipeline. Well, you know, the name of my company is Lolly Brands Entertainment. And, you know, we are doing documentaries. We have a lot of documentaries coming out. So one of the main things, if you want to keep up is I'm big on Instagram. You know, I, I love posting stories. I love I comment on my family. When the documentary first came out, I was getting like 500 DMs a day. I was trying to get back to so many people. I actually helped people and stopped people from committing suicide because of obesity. People were like, hey, your story was inspiring to me. I was thinking, yeah, like, you know, it, it. And so when I get a message, it's important to me. People are shocked sometimes when I respond with a voice note, you know, because I'll take the time out of the, out of my day and, and respond to somebody because I know that you know, I'm, you get what you give. And all I like to do is, is be a positive influence and inspire people. So best way to, to find out what's happening is go to my Instagram, Anthony Lolly. Absolutely. You know, and you know, Anthony, I, you know, I hope you keep doing the good work, brother. Thank you for being here. Okay. I had a great, great conversation with you, you know, obviously, and, uh, let everyone know where they can follow you. I know they can follow you on Instagram. Is it also the, uh, How's what's your Instagram handle? Of course, we'll put it on the uh, channel here. But if you could let everybody uh, A N T H O N Y. Yep, Anthony Lolly. A N T H O N Y L O L L I. Yep, that's my. That's where you'll find me on Instagram, and I'll always put all my links. Everything is always there. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Anthony, for stopping on by. Thank Can we you. count you uh, to no have you down the show on again uh, down the road, possibly? Absolutely. Always, always. Just ask me. I'll, I'll be there, man. This was fun. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Anthony. And again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the platform where we, again, discuss the blueprint of all uh, successful entrepreneurs across all industries. You can also check us out on all streaming platforms on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, um, as well as Amazon as well, too. You know, definitely, you know, we are released every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. Listen, it's time for me to wrap it up. But as always, guys, we're going to catch y'all on the flip side. Peace.